Hi, and welcome to Fado, an audio adventure into fantasy, folklore, and fairy tales. I'm John, your host, and thanks for dropping in. I hope you enjoyed last week, because this week, we're not going too far afield from the shores of Orkney and the dreaded Knuckle of E. This week's topic is actually a request from a listener, and I had been planning to cover it, but since it showed up in the comments, I decided to go ahead and move it to the top of the list. So, thanks for the suggestion, Ryan. Today, we're headed just across the water from Scotland to Ireland. And being that the name of the show is an Irish word, I'm really surprised it took me this long to talk about something from the Emerald Isle. The truth is that Irish folklore and fairy tales are a little intimidating, and it's not for their content. It's for the way that they seem to be usually written. In many of the old stories, not only are many of the names and places heavily Gaelic, which requires a good bit of study and research to pronounce faithfully, but also a lot of the dialogue is written dialectically and without a very good understanding of the accents and the slang of the era, it's really difficult to read and make sense of. And so, largely, I've held off so far. But it's time to give it a go. This week, we're talking about the puka. The puka is a strange and interesting creature. I found it to be pretty amusing myself. Now, I have a very short puka story for you. Most of the tales about this creature are brief, but there's plenty to talk about after the story, so I'll meet you there. And now, as translated by Douglas Hyde, the first president of Ireland, from the Book of Storytelling in 1889, The Piper and the Puka. In the old times, there was a half-fool living in Dunmore, in the county Galway, and although he was excessively fond of music, he was unable to learn more than one tune, and that was the Black Rogue. He used to get a good deal of money from the gentlemen, for they used to get sport out of him. One night the piper was coming home from a house where there had been a dance, and he was half-drunk. When he came to a little bridge that was up by his mother's house, he squeezed the pipes on, and began playing the black rogue. The puka came behind him, and flung him up on his own back. There were long horns on the puka, and the piper got a good grip of them, and then he said, "'Destruction on you, you nasty beast! Let me home! I have a ten-penny piece in my pocket for my mother, and she wants snuff!' "'Never mind your mother,' said the puka. "'But keep your hold. If you fall—' You will break your neck and your pipes. Then the puka said to him, Play up for me the Shan Van Vogt. I don't know it, said the piper. Never mind whether you do or you don't, said the puka. Play up, and I'll make you know. The piper put wind in his bag, and he played such music as made himself wonder. Upon my word, you're a fine music master, says the piper then. But tell me where you're for bringing me. "'There's a great feast in the house of the Banshee on the top of Crow Patrick tonight,' says the Puka. "'And I'm for bringing you there to play music, and take my word. You'll get the price of your trouble.' "'By my word, you'll save me a journey, then,' says the Piper, "'for Father William put a journey to Crow Patrick on me because I stole the white gander from him last Martinmas.' 
The puka rushed him across hills and bogs and rough places, till he brought him to the top of Krog Patrick. Then the puka struck three blows with his foot, and a great door opened, and they passed in together into a fine room. The piper saw a golden table in the middle of the room, and hundreds of old women sitting round about it. The old woman rose up and said, A hundred thousand welcomes to you, you puka of November. Who is this you have brought with you? The best piper in Ireland, says the puka. One of the old women struck a blow on the ground, and a door opened in the side of the wall, and what should the piper see coming out but the white gander which he had stolen from Father William? By my conscience, then, says the piper, myself and my mother ate every taste of that gander, only one wing, and I gave that to Moirua, and it's she told the priest I stole his gander. The gander cleaned the table and carried it away, and the puka said, Play up music for these ladies. The piper played up, and the old women began dancing, and they were dancing till they were tired. Then the puka said to pay the piper, and every old woman drew out a gold piece and gave it to him. By the tooth of Patrick, said he, I'm as rich as the son of a lord. Come with me, says the puka, and I'll bring you home. They went out then, and just as he was going to ride on the puka, the gander came up to him and gave him a new set of pipes. The puka was not long until he brought him to Dunmore, and he threw the piper off at the little bridge, and then he told him to go home, and says to him, You have two things now that you never had before. You have sense and music. The piper went home, and he knocked at his mother's door, saying, Let me in, I'm as rich as a lord, and I'm the best piper in Ireland. You're drunk, said the mother. No, indeed, says the piper, I haven't drunk a drop. The mother let him in, and he gave her the gold pieces, and, Wait now, says he, till you hear the music I'll play. He buckled on the pipes, but instead of music there came a sound as if all the geese and ganders in Ireland were screeching together. He awakened the neighbors, and they all were mocking him, until he put on the old pipes, and then he played melodious music for them, and after that he told them all he had gone through that night. The next morning, when his mother went to look at the gold pieces, there was nothing there but the leaves of a plant. The piper went to the priest and told him his story, but the priest would not believe a word from him, until he put the pipes on him, and then the screeching of the ganders and geese began. "'Leave my sight now, you thief,' said the priest. But nothing would do the piper till he would put the old pipes on him to show the priest that his story was true. He buckled on the old pipes, and he played melodious music, and from that day till the day of his death, there was never a piper in the county Galway was as good as he was. So, the puka is an excellent next step after the knuckle of E. There are some similarities for sure, but the differences make for a fun comparison. Where the knuckle of E is sinister and malevolent, the puka is troublesome and mischievous. The puka is also a shapeshifter, though it's not readily apparent in the story, but it does like to take the form of a horse, just as the knuckle of E does. I think a major difference has to do with the nature of these two creatures. The knuckle of E is kind of a demon, and it's bent on causing suffering to humans, but the puka is something else. 
The word puka is the Irish word that means ghost or spirit, and it comes from Celtic folklore. As I looked into its origins, it was apparent that the puka is present in a lot of places throughout Europe, and it goes back a long time. Like the knuckle of E, the puka may have its roots in early Norse folklore. And you can see its name pop up in the Old Norse puk or puck, which also means spirit. If you recognize puck, it may be because the puka shows up in Shakespeare. In A Midsummer Night's Dream, the character of puck is based on a puka, and his name is, of course, from the same place. You may have also noticed that the woman in the story referred to the puka as a puka of November, and I found out the reason. The puka is traditionally associated with the harvest and the fall. November 1st is considered Puka's Day, and there's a custom of leaving a few stalks when the harvest begins to come in during the fall to appease the puka and avoid his attention. So as I mentioned, the puka is a shapeshifter, and while it's generally considered a trickster and a difficult creature, it's often considered generally helpful as well, benevolent. In the story, it certainly messed around with the piper in a lot of ways, but it did leave him as a more skilled piper after all was said and done. Another one of my favorite traits of the puka is that to entertain itself, it seems to enjoy waiting in hiding for an unsuspecting vagrant or drunk or ne'er-do-well to pass by, and then it jumps up underneath the person, becoming a horse and taking them on a wild, terrifying romp over bogs and brambles, and scaring the wits out of the rider, but then dumping them somewhere with only minimal injury. I like to imagine that this lore was used to great effect in the old days, when someone would leave a tavern a bit too inebriated to safely return home, and so they'd wander and eventually find their way back with tales of a desperate encounter with a wild puka. It's too convenient of an excuse not to have happened at some point. Okay, so the puka is a mischief maker and a shapeshifter that can lie in wait to torment you, and in some stories it will come after the same person again and again to its amusement and to the dismay of the target. But the puka does have some weaknesses that I came across. The first comes from the story of Brian Boru, the king of Ireland in the first part of the 11th century. He is said to be the first person to ever successfully ride a puka, on purpose anyway, and it's said that he did so by using a bridle that had three hairs from a puka woven into it, which gave him power over it. And that's an interesting detail, because using hair or blood or some part of a creature to control it shows up a lot in folklore. The other weakness I found has to do with something I mentioned in the last episode, and just happened to come across while I was researching. But it turns out that one of the ways you're supposed to be able to control or ward against the puka is by wearing spurs, particularly iron spiked spurs. There are accounts of the puka being afraid of them and leaving the wearer alone. Iron, it seems, shows up often as a protection against spirits or ghosts. I'm going to have to dig deeper into the origins of this iron thing. 
So far, my searches have turned up that iron does repel ghosts and a variety of other things, but I'd love to know more about how that came to be. Stay tuned for more research into that topic in future episodes. Now, if you're having fun listening to Fido, you should definitely subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. I'm on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Don't forget to share and leave a review if you like what you're hearing. If you leave comments or questions, I might even be able to read them on the air. You can also keep up and follow me on Facebook as well as Instagram. I'm at Fado Podcast. And if you want to support me more directly, you can become a patron. You can find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. There will be behind-the-scenes content, early access to upcoming episodes, and also merch. I have stickers already. If you become a patron, I can guarantee you one in your membership letter. That's right, I'll send you a personally handwritten note in the mail with a sticker. Also, if you join, you'll get a mention here on the show. This week, I'd like to say hello to my newest patron, Christy Asher. Thank you very much for joining. You have my eternal and undying gratitude. Look for your letter and your sticker in the mail soon. All right, that brings us to the end of episode 15. Look for episode 16, coming out on September 6th. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you once upon a next time.